0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Noggin Notes podcast. I am thankful that you stick with us each and every week and I'm appreciative that you're always uh, you know tuning in to listen and sharing this information with other people. I just can't say enough about how humbling it is that people listen to my voice and um, you know, take time out of their day to do so. It's it's pretty pretty wild uh we've uh been a little inconsistent lately went out of town for one week and then last week just uh life happens sometimes uh, i got really busy got carried away and then when i sat down to record kids were screaming and uh, they they didn't stop and that's just part of the part of the nature of doing stuff at your home uh is that you you got home life uh sometimes having its own uh ideas and plans so Um, Thanks for for tuning back in. If you're a regular listener, I appreciate your continued loyalty. And if you're new to the show, this is what it's about. I just uh, sit here and speak into a microphone. My name is Jake Wiskirchen, and I do psychological stuff for a living. That uh, includes a variety of things from outpatient counseling to agency administration, supervision, mentoring, Um, policy creation, all sorts of stuff in the mental health field in the state of Nevada and specifically northern Nevada and the Reno Sparks community. I co-own and operate an outpatient agency called Zephyr Wellness, and I'm proud to say that Zephyr has uh, expanded into Sparks, and we are having a grand opening on October 22nd. That's a Monday. From 4 to 6 p.m., we're going to have some light refreshments, and most of the staff will be on hand to answer questions that you may have about what it's like to enter into counseling, uh, what it's like to uh, interact, how you might know that you've recovered from whatever you're struggling with. Uh, we'll talk to you all about that. We'll explain some insurance stuff if you have insurance questions. It's basically just an a opportunity to interact and demystify what it is that we do as a profession. So we encourage everybody to show up. Uh, we invite you all down if you're within the the, you know, the reasonable driving range, uh, we'd love to see you. Please do RSVP to Stephanie, uh, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, Stephanie at zephyrwellness.org so that we can get a reasonable headcount so we can predict how many, uh, cocktail weenies and muffins we need to buy from, from Costco. <laughs> but, uh, uh, we'd love to see you there. 4 to 6 p.m. October 22nd. That's a, that's a Monday afternoon. And, uh, we're thankful to the Chamber of Commerce, uh, here in Reno Sparks area it, for promoting this as well. So, Um, this, this week's episode is about procrastination. I am not going to explain anymore because I explained that in the podcast itself. As always, we thank you for your listenership. Uh, please share this with other people that way they can uh, benefit as well. And it's, uh, it's free. And so, uh, feel free to share around. If you don't have the app noggin notes, please do download the app. It's a great way to track your thoughts and feelings and create a timeline for yourself so you can gain some personal wisdom and insight If you're just a podcast listener, check out the app. And if you're listening to the podcast on the app, I encourage you to keep using it. For now, just uh, enjoy what I have to say about procrastination. Thanks for listening. Everybody listening who struggles with procrastination, please raise your hand. Or just wait to raise your hand and then do it later because you're too busy doing something else right now. I joke but uh that's that 's almost as bad as it gets for some people for, coming from a guy who's procrastinated since he was mm, six or seven years old and is now over the hill, I can certainly personally attest to the uh, to the negative impacts of procrastination. Uh, stress, anxiety, internal shame. I mean, there's there's lots of stuff that comes along with procrastination as a, as a bad habit. And so I wanted to address that today with, with everybody because I think it afflicts a lot of people. If you're listening and you don't know what procrastination is or you're, you're young and you've never heard the word before or you're like me and you got told by your mother since you were, you know, six or seven years old, don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today and it just didn't make sense, I will define procrastination. And what it is, is simply delaying or putting off something uh, that you could be doing right now. That's all it is. It's just, it's a delay in what you could be doing. So this is fresh in my mind because yesterday uh, I was out in Lovelock and I was uh, working with some kids out there and then I had a big gap in my day, about uh, three hours in between clients. And so I thought, man, this is a perfect opportunity to catch up on some paperwork. And I didn't. What I ended up doing instead was, fiddling around with my email. I was uh, dabbling in some stuff that I didn't need to be doing. I was changing my fantasy football lineups. I I was scrolling Instagram. I was uh, updating the Zephyr website. I was doing virtually anything except the the very critical paperwork that needs to be done. And uh, if you're not in our field, paperwork is truly important for a variety of reasons, chiefly uh, we are ethically compelled to keep a record of our client contacts, and uh, not to do so is unethical and could, could lead in severe cases to a, a, re, a revocation of a license, so we wouldn't even be able to practice. Um, but along the way, there are other reasons. So we want to keep a good record uh, because we want to see client progress. We want to know how people are doing. Um, the clients ultimately get get to keep that if they want to, if they want to reflect back on their own records, if they want to take them into a court proceeding to demonstrate that they've progressed from whatever they've been struggling with in order to get some maybe some rights and privileges back. Um, Also, I may have mentioned this on a podcast earlier, but I have this theory, and I I call it Jake's Jake's bus theory, Um, and the theory goes that if you were to get hit by a bus someday— and you were to expire and cease to uh, breathe air and uh, the world would have to go on without you, could somebody reasonably pick up the work that you've been doing and proceed as seamlessly as possible? And in order to do that, you you need a record. You need notes. And and then finally, there's the financial component of note-keeping, which is that insurances compel us to document what we do, why we do it, how we do it, so that we can prove that we're spending the money that they pay us to treat people as, as appropriately as possible so in the face of an audit an insurance company may come in and say hey show me your records and show me proof that you've been treating this person appropriately and that you're actually making progress or whatever so there's lots of reasons to to keep notes and they're all very very good powerful reasons it's not just simply a good idea but there are legal requirements as well and i'll tell you what darned if i don't just struggle with that uh First and foremost, out of all the tasks that are asked of me as a clinician, as a business owner, as a colleague, uh, I just absolutely hate paperwork. And I was about to drop a a curse word in there. Uh, But this is a family show and children listen. But that's how badly I despise doing paperwork. So despite all the uh, motivations that I have to complete my notes, I just don't do it. And I'll find almost any reason to avoid it. Uh, and consequently, I'm, you know, I'm a couple weeks behind usually on, on my notes, which isn't too bad. But if I were to get hit by a bus today, first of all, a lot of people would be very sad, I, I would hope. Um, but, but also, uh, I don't know that anybody could reasonably pick up my, my client files and proceed in my absence uh, seamlessly, simply because there'd be information lacking for the last, you know, one to two sessions. So I want to get on that, and what I did instead was I made a video about procrastination to illustrate how badly I procrastinate, and this has been a problem for me since I was a little little kid, not doing my homework, uh, crushing papers out at the last minute, to, uh, slamming projects together at the end, and um, fortunately, I, I was able to, to skate by, but I, honestly, I, I got A minuses and Bs for the most part, but they could have been all As had I just you know, planned a little bit better and, um, set some distractions aside and, and put in the effort that was required. But apparently that didn't matter to me. So I just, I just moved through and I I got my, you know, sub, uh, peak performance grades and, and everything was okay. And I think along the way that probably helped to reinforce my procrastination habits simply because I I wasn't really penalized for it. Nothing ever really came to fruition in the way of a, a, negative consequence or, or a penalty. So consequently, here I am, uh, 40 years old and I'm still procrastinating on the stuff that I don't like. So it got me thinking about how do we limit, pr- eliminate bad habits? And and part of my job as a clinician is to work with people on eliminating the things from their lives, uh, specifically habits that they don't particularly like or that they don't get served by or that, that are not useful to them. One of those for me, obviously, is procrastination. And it got me thinking that you know, I've been, I've been practicing this procrastination habit for, you know, 35 years, uh, 33 years, something like that. It's probably not going to be eliminated. In fact, I, w- I would even be so bold as to say maybe it's part of my character now. And it's not that it couldn't change, uh, because I believe that anybody can change. Now, the question is, where's my motivation to change? If I've mostly gotten along fairly well and I've, I've seen success, I don't have a real strong motivation to change. And that goes for any habit. So if you're listening to this and your habit may not be procrastination, maybe it's um, substance addiction or maybe it's uh, softball addiction or maybe it's uh, just bad hygiene. I, I don't I don't know what bad habits people might have who are listening, but if you've been practicing those habits for a very long time, they're very, very hard to break. Now, what I want to introduce to you is a concept called a harm reduction model. I don't necessarily sign on in full with a harm reduction model because many harm reduction models don't actually um, produce an elimination of the bad habit. What they do is they promise a reduction of the harm of the bad habit. Now, as an as an entry concept, that's a pretty good one. Let's let's instead of you know let's take drinking alcohol for example. If you're drinking too much alcohol, and that too much alcohol I'll put air quotes around that too much is uh, six beers a night, and it's leaving you hungover with a foggy brain in the morning, and maybe you're neglecting your family. Maybe we start by you know titrating down to four beers a night. Now there are some people who are in the uh, drug and alcohol community who would say that's absolutely unacceptable. What we need to shoot for is abstinence. Uh, we clearly need to get this person help, you know, and then that involves an elimination of the drinking. And I and I buy into that. I get that, uh, but we also have to pay heed to the very real reality that says that's not possible right now. This person's been doing this habit for far too long just to quit cold turkey. So I don't want to. I don't want to dis. Uh, I don't want to invalidate the cold turkey anecdotes that are out there. There are lots of people who've quit things cold turkey and they've been just fine, after, usually after a period of suffering for for a while, but they, but they end up okay. So I don't want to invalidate those and say that c- quitting cold turkey is not possible. It certainly is, and some people can do that. But the vast majority of people need a path, and that path typically involves moving away from, not instantly stopping. So uh, the word for you know cutting down would be titrating in the medical model. Uh, if we titrate your medication, what we're doing is we're either titrating up or we're titrating down. but It means we're doing it incrementally. So uh, if, if uh, the guy who's struggling with drinking six beers a night and that's too many, well, let's cut out down to five, let's go down to four, let's go down to three, and, and we do this over a period of time. What we're doing is we're saying we're reducing the harm. Now, harm reduction models do not, or I should say are not appropriate for things that are life-endangering, and I'm not going to walk down that path with examples about what could be more life endangering and what is less life endangering. But alcohol is a good example of one of those because if we cut off a, a long-standing history of alcohol, and I'm not talking six beers a night. I'm talking about you know six beers every couple hours all day long for 30 years. That if we stop that, the uh, the the recurrent I'm, I'm sorry the concurrent effects of that on the on the back end the the withdrawal effects can actually kill a person so we don't we don't want to stop alcohol consumption immediately what we don't we actually want to embrace is a harm reduction method so my harm reduction method for procrastination is let's meet meet reality where it is and align my expectations with that and, the, and my expectations with my procrastination habit is such that, Because I've been doing this so long, I'm probably not going to stop it overnight. So I had an idea yesterday, and I thought it was a brilliant idea because, you know, I think all my ideas are brilliant. I mean, they are mine after all, and I better believe in them. (laughs) Otherwise, I probably shouldn't be sharing them. Uh, But kidding aside, and and I'm really not that full of (laughs) hubris and arrogance, um, but I thought this idea was kind of a cool one. And I shared it in in the very brief YouTube video, which is, uh, let's, let's acknowledge the procrastination probably is an indicator of something. It's either an indicator of burnout, stress, um, displeasure, uh, lack of enthusiasm, uh, lack of buy-in, lack of interest, uh, all sorts of things that probably indicate that what I'm supposed to be doing doesn't exactly thrill me, so I'll pull from anywhere just to, just to get myself away from it. That being the case... I probably need a break. I probably need some sort of intervention there, whether it be a vacation or um, a, a, a sabbatical or a time off, something like that. And then I can come back renewed with a, with a fresh energy and tackle the the thing again that I that I probably hate to to do at that moment. Because I can tell you that not at all at not all periods of my career was I so loathsome of my record keeping. I I actually really enjoyed taking notes and and, and inputting them and creating treatment plans and updating those treatment plans. And that was very early on because I found them very valuable. I enjoyed doing them and I I took a great ownership in them. And over time, that's just worn off. So I, I, I know I can get that back. What I have to do though is get there somehow. So my idea was procrastinate with intentionality. So what I did is I, I did the video. I did something that I knew was going to make me feel at least productive about what I was doing that day. So I didn't look back and and say, wow, I had this three hours that I just ended up blowing on, you know, scrolling through Instagram, adjusting my fantasy football lineups, dabbling in email. And, and if I'm being honest, most emails can be delayed until later. I don't, that doesn't have to take priority when the log note and the record keeping really should take priority. So in, if I'm going to procrastinate and I know I need a break and I know I need a refresher, I can either tackle something that has equal importance like um, you know filling out policies for, for Zephyr, you know, updating my employee manual, updating our intake packet, um, t- uh, signing contracts, evaluating agreements, that kind of thing. That's all very valuable also. But I want to do it intentionally, and I want to put brackets around that in a time frame, such as, all right, so I don't want to do my log notes. I know that I, I detest them. I can at least acknowledge that rather than unconsciously avoiding it and saying, what I will do is, because I don't want to do my log notes now, I got a little bit of a fuzzy brain. I'm, I'm a little bit burned out today. What I'll do is I'll say, I'll do my log notes in one hour. But in the next hour, I will specifically focus on, and then I'll pick something. I'll either maybe I'll go to the gym. Uh, I happen to be in Lovelock, so my gym's not in Lovelock yesterday. But I might go to the gym. I might take a walk around the block. Um, I might I might record a YouTube video, and then maybe even edit and upload that video. I might work on some other project, but I'm not going to spend it frivolously, and I'm going to put a. A very strong parameter about around what I'm going to do. So I'm not just going to go walking around the block because then it might turn into two blocks and it might turn into three blocks. And then I, before I know it, I'm I've, I've, now I'm using the walking time as procrastinating or the gym time as procrastination. So I want to put very stringent parameters around it. And what I'm doing is I'm, I'm acknowledging I'm, I'm paying heed to my procrastination tendencies saying I need to do this I need to avoid for a second, but I'm going to do it purposefully. I'm not going to just waste my time. So then what I can do is when I'm done with that, I can let go of the thing that I was using to distract myself, return with full focus and attention on the thing I didn't like in the first place, in this case, my log notes, and then work through it. So it's a little bit of a harm reduction model for procrastination. The idea being that at some point I might catch up on all my notes, catch up on all my paperwork, and then I can take my vacation. Because I't I don't do anybody any favors by taking a vacation with work hanging uh, out there with, with loose ends untied and, and so forth. So I want I want to make sure that I finish my tasks and then take my break so that I can become refreshed. So the idea is that we can procrastinate with intent. We can procrastinate with purpose. Now, if if you're listening and you're saying, Jake, it just sounds like you're rationalizing you're, you know you're doing some mental acrobatics to explain away your bad habit, perhaps, Perhaps, but I'm but I'm also paying heed to the very uh, problematic nature of my procrastination by saying, "Look, I, I recognize this is an issue, but at least what I can do is, if I'm going to do it, I can do it well. I can procrastinate well and and still produce something of value, at least to, to the public or to me or whatnot, knowing that I will get to the log notes at another time." So as it turns out, I did do that. I, I implemented that that strategy, and today, uh, one day later. I sat down and I caught up on almost all of my log notes. And in the middle of it, I just kind of got a little burned out. I was staring at my computer screen and my eyes were going crossed. And I said, you know what? I need to do a podcast about this. The, the three-minute or three-and-a-half-minute YouTube video I did was, was nice, but this really needs to be shared in a podcast format in a little bit longer form. So I just decided to jump on the microphone and do this and compare it to the harm reduction models that we see typically in the substance abuse realm and, and some other uh, interventions that, that we that we experience in our uh, counseling profession. So, um, I hope this works for you. And if it doesn't, uh, that's fine. I accept hate mail too, <laughs> but I also uh, really enjoy the banter that comes with people emailing or texting, saying, "Hey, you know, uh, you, you covered this. I liked it, but did you also consider this other angle?" And and um, I, I find that very useful because it helps develop me also as a person. So when you guys write in to the info at noggin or info at zephyr wellness.org accounts. I, I can receive that information and, and it helps make me a better clinician. It helps certainly helps improve my podcasts so that I can consider multiple angles of this. And, um, and if, and if you think I'm full of prunes, you can, you can say that too. And that's, that's fine. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take that with, uh, with some, some measure of, of, uh, understanding as well. So, um, please share this. If you don't like it, let me know. If you do like it, let me know that. If you think it needs to be augmented or uh, changed, please, please let me know. This theory just popped into my head yesterday. It's still brand new. I'm still trying to develop it. And like most theories, I think that they deserve a good, robust flexing out and uh, consideration by other people. So I hope to bounce this off the listening audience and... Uh, get some get some feedback, honestly. So if you think that uh, procrastination with purpose is is a reasonable substitute for mindless procrastination, uh, while we're still working toward getting rid of procrastination altogether, please let me know what you think, and uh, I'll be happy to to take that in and, and consider it. As always, I uh, thank you on behalf of the Zephyr Wellness family and the Noggin Notes team, and. As always, I wish you great mental wellness. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you back next time. Bye bye.